You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. It's working. Hallelujah. Okay. Um, Sunday morning. This is November 27th, 6th. 26, yeah, 19 and 7 is 6. <laughs> All right, not a math person. I was in the ballpark. Yeah. So what we started last week was splitting hairs. And we started talking about Jesus only said you must be born again. He didn't say you have to be saved. He says you have to be born again. And so being born again is different than being saved. So we started back just looking at what it is to be born and then to be born again. Because um, we need to get this straight. Um, the devil would love for us to stop saying born again. He's pretty much dried that up in the church. It's more like two four-letter words to say born again. Um, it's, it is socially... What would you say? Politically incorrect. Yeah. You could say, oh, yes, I'm saved. Jeff actually said that today. The born again. Did he really? Kind of well, good. But yeah. Yes. But, but born again is what we are. That's the important thing. Um, and, and the deal is this. Everybody's in the kingdom of heaven. All of us. If you read Jesus' parables about the kingdom of heaven is like this, there's always the good actor and the bad actor. There's the one sowing the good seed, and then there's the one sowing the tares. There's the guy that pays his bill on time, the guy that doesn't pay his bill on time. There's always the good actors and the bad. In the kingdom of heaven, which is literally everything that God has created, spirit and material, God included, um, is everything. I mean, it's, it's all of it. Satan and his minions, the good angels that are out there fighting for us, um, people and their light spirits and dark spirits and um, in a material realm, everything that's material is a part of the kingdom of heaven. We're all there. It's like being a citizen, a child of the world. But that and a dollar will buy you a cup of coffee at Sheets. Okay? That's it. Um, it's not worth much. But what you want to do is be sure your citizenship is locked into the Lordship of God. You and I are blessed because we were born into the United States of America. We are citizens of the United States in the world, but citizens of the United States. And therefore, heir to every right, every blessing, every promise um, that's built into our Constitution and our laws. So... <clears throat> Being a, a child of the kingdom of heaven is, is, that just is. There you go. Again, we are. But um, to be in the kingdom of God, which is what Jesus was saying to Nicodemus. So Nicodemus, if you want to grasp the things of the kingdom of God, you want to be a part of the kingdom of God, you have to be born again. Anew. And Nicodemus, thinking materially, goes... How can I be born again? I've already been born. I got a mom and a dad. 
He says, no, Nicodemus, you've already been born in the flesh, but what you have to do is be born of the Spirit. So then we started back at the beginning in, in the Garden of Eden when God formed man out of the dust of the earth. Um, in Genesis 1, God speaks to the earth and um, says all life is going to spring from the earth, which it does. Every living thing, when it dies, goes back to dirt. Man's made of dirt, to dust he will return. To dirt he will return. So we're all dirt. And um, so that dirt is infused with biological life. <clears throat> all animals, all plants have biological life. Adam, which is the Hebrew word for humanity, um, humankind, um, had biological life, but God wasn't through with him. God breathed into his nostrils. So he started out with nefesh, which is life. But then God breathed into his nostrils neshamah which is the divine essence of God, the power of God, everything that God is. It, he infused his man with his own DNA, with mankind. And man became this brilliant light being, outraying the glory of God, covered in that glory. And then he gave man a birthright. Because at that point he was born a spirit man, a child of God. So he was made in God's image. That means we look like him. Every, all the mechanisms in us are, are, are in God. And we function the way he functions. We were made to function that way. All of the mechanisms in our being, spirit and physical, were meant to function the way God functions. So, you know, we have, um, we have a mind. We can comprehend and understand. We were built with not only material eyes and ears, but the eyes and ears of the mind. Your mind's eye, you know. Jesus would always say, let him who have ears hear what the Spirit says. Well, everybody he talked to had ears, so they wouldn't have bothered to be there. So he's talking about if you have the Spirit ears, the inner, your inner being is awake to the things of God, listen to what I'm saying to you. And... Um, so you have spiritual ears, you have spiritual eyes, you have an imagination, the center of your brain, um, that, that dorsolateral cortex in your brain, which houses imagination, which God gave us imagination. It's just housed in that area in the brain. And in that place, that's where God speaks to us from. That's where we lay hold of the concepts of God, where we image and picture everything because we're image people that's why it's called imagination the active process of imaging and um, so everything we come to understand we image in some way that's why Jesus spoke to us in parables because he wanted to image everything for us so we could see it with our mind's eye and hear it with our mind's ears and lay hold of it based on earthly understandings we could grasp the spiritual truth Okay, and then image it. So we have this imagination, which God has as well. Um, in the beginning, God created. The word created there is bara, which means designed, thought out, planned, um, built in his mind. 
then when it says and God said then that's the word Asa when he literally took that that image that was full in him and declared it out of his mouth by faith then everything came into being by that word but it's um, like Jesus says it's out of the abundance of your heart the place where you understand and grasp truth that your mouth speaks and our heart and mind sometimes heart is heart is literally that place in us where we lay hold and understand truth it's not cardia it has nothing to do with that or your spirit when they speak of heart they're speaking of it's called in the Greek it is cardia but it doesn't mean heart it literally means that area of your brain that affects your heart whether it's emotionally high emotionally low sprite whatever in the Greek they tried they called it cardia because that center of your understanding was where um, where everything comes to affect your heart but haven't you said that the cortex dorsal cortex is the center of our understanding yes it's, so are they it well what it is is the dorsolateral cortex is a material um, organ okay but it houses the God given imagination so like you have a body but it houses the talents and abilities that God put in you so that dorsolateral cortex houses your imagination but the imagination is a spirit gift from God it's built into you spiritually and it's that place where we touch the spirit realm you can't see it with your regular eyes you have to see it through your imagination right and then it travels to our heart to be understood? No. So our heart's not our center your, of understanding? No, your heart has nothing to do with well, this. I thought, I thought you said the heart was the center of understanding. Well, the Bible calls it heart. Guard your heart. Meaning, but, but, meaning your mind. Right. Well, it's that's what, that's what it's your thought, thought life okay. that, that's your heart. The place where you understand. doesn't literally mean your heart. And it isn't your spirit. Okay, it's it is that that area where you can take information in, whether from the spirit side or from the material side. You process it. It's all light. Everybody that comes in is just pure light. God, you know, electromagnetic energy, right? And then it's translated into images in your imagination. But those images aren't material. They're they're spiritual. They're from the spirit side. And when Jesus said, out of your heart, you speak, it's really not out of this organ. No. It's out of our... Right, out of your imagination, the center of your imagination. What you believe to be true yes. is, is where you speak from. And, um, yes. Okay, thanks. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's important. We have to understand that. Literally, it, does not, it doesn't ever refer to your physical heart. Uh, the heart, when, when even in the in the Hebrew, the word that speaks to heart there is is uh, the word for your understanding. So that whatever's going on in your mind would affect your heart. You know, whether it brings you to peace or whether it brings you to anxiety, whether it brings you to love or whether it brings you to fear or whether it brings you whatever. But it's that place that controls your physical being. Your physical heart doesn't house anything that blood okay and 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 it's a physical organ but when they're speaking of heart they're speaking of a spiritual place in you housed in your brain your brain's just it'd be like um having a car all right 
The car is just a house for the engine. You can take that engine and put it in another car and the engine is still going to work, but, but that, the car is just the house. Okay. So our brain is just the house. And even further than that, you could have a, a car with an engine in it. But it still isn't going to run until you put the, the gasoline in it, right? Um, yeah, so you, you have to understand that the spirit is the quickening thing that gets your body going. The minute your body gets sick and falls off, your spirit man's still going to be there. But, but we have in us a quickening spirit, especially when we're born again, because Jesus is a quickening spirit. So to understand those mechanisms, we have a physical body that houses spiritual mechanisms. Um, even speech, we have the body that contains the mechanisms, the voice box, your mouth, your tongue, your teeth. You know, we have a place right here in the front of our brain where we process information. Most of the time people are speaking right out of the front of their brains. They don't think it through. But, um, um, Kill people. <laughs> oh, I know. Aren't we all? But, um, yeah, the, the, this body just houses the spiritual part of God that He put in us. Yeah, that's good. That's what it is. And um, so when you talk about speech, God was a speaking spirit. You and I are speaking spirits like God was. Um, we think, we plan, we design, we create with our minds and our imagination, the center of our imagination. We speak forth and then we act. And things are created around us whether we want it or not. Most of the time, we're walking around with a loaded weapon, and like James says, we're just setting on fire the course of nature because we don't realize the power that's in us, okay? Born again or not born again, those things function. But, but, but Adam was perfect. And Satan, who was roaming around looking for a kingdom because he wasn't about to give up just because he got thrown out of heaven, didn't mean he didn't want a throne. So he looked for a place to find one and he found Adam and Eve in the garden. And so he tricked them. But God had said, do not eat of the fruit of this one tree. Satan says, why not? It's just going to make you more like God. What are you talking about? You know. So Adam had to make a decision. Do I obey God or do I obey Satan, this brilliant, beautiful snake? He decided to bow his knee to the snake and obey the snake. Paul says it like this, to whoever or whatever you bow your knee, you become the slave and that becomes the servant immediately. And so Adam, when he bowed his knee to Satan, immediately became the slave to Satan and to sin. And we lost our inheritance, our birthright, which was dominion and rule over the earth. We lost our... Um, the Neshama hay that God had breathed in us, it was gone. And immediately all of these wonderful spiritual mechanisms in us were perverted. The best example I can give is if you ever saw um, uh, The Fellowship of the Ring, that whole series, Lord of the Rings series on TV. Did you see those on the movies? There was a man named Smeagol who starts in uh, The Hobbit. 
He's just a regular guy. But he gets drawn into the, into the, um, I guess you would just say the trap of Satan there, but, but he was drawn and lured by this evil in this ring. And he was so overcome by the evil of it that he killed his best friend to get it. And he immediately became a slave to that ring, his precious. And all of a sudden, instead of being a human being, he began to morph and twist and become a perverted, ugly, dark creature. Which is what happened to all those angels that fell with Satan. They're not beautiful light beings anymore. They have morphed and twisted into ugly, dark creatures. If you can see them, they're ugly and they're dark. Satan as well, if you can see him. He tries to appear like an angel of light, but, but he's still a dark, twisted creature. Okay? Um, and Adam became a dark, twisted creature. And we all did. Every one of us, because when Adam sinned, we were all in his loins, we all bowed our knee to that same Satan. He sold the whole family birthright into the hands of Satan. Satan legally became the owner and, and um, dominator of everything in the world immediately. He told Jesus that. He said, look here, Jesus. He took him up on top of the uh, mountain and he said, all these kingdoms belong to me. They were given to me by Adam. Jesus didn't argue. Because it was true. They legally belonged to him. Because Adam bowed his knee and put himself into servitude. Sold his birthright for a bite of that fruit. And so Satan owned the birthright. Jesus called him the, the prince of this world. He says, the prince of this world comes, but he has nothing in me. And that's kind of like, what, who were the two brothers, Isaac and... Uh... Ishmael. No, no. That, that oh, Isaac the, and Esau. Jacob, the, the oh, two brothers that sold Jacob his birthright. And, yes, Jacob Esau. and Esau. Esau, mm -hmm. Esau. Yes, exactly right. And Adam sold our birthright yeah. and sold us into slavery. And we lost the Neshamah of God, which meant we no longer look like God. We are dark, perverted creatures. When you're born, you might be a nice person, but like me, you're a good person going straight to hell. Because you do not have the Neshamah of God. We don't look like God anymore. We still have the mechanisms in place, but they don't function right anymore. They're all twisted. God says, every imagination of man is continually evil. And the imagination is the place where it all starts. That's where it all starts for us, is our creative center. Whatever we create, it comes from there. And because we don't hear the voice of God, because we don't, you know, we don't have the capacity, we don't have the ears to hear or the eyes to see, um, you know, and this is the Lord showed me this, which I think is pretty cool. When you're looking at a darkened person, okay, every time you speak the word of God, because the word of God is light, it is light, and it, there's power in it. When you speak that word of light, you're sending a spark of light, not not just the electromagnetic energy, a thought that goes through, but you're sending a spirit spark of light into someone's brain and it's like they're standing in the dark but you know how um, you can be standing in the dark and um, a light will kind of flash on and come off and you can see a little bit then the light comes on again and you can see a little bit more 
every time a light goes through someone's brain, they see a tiny bit more, they grasp a little bit more, they grasp and grasp until they can come to enough understanding and enough faith to be born again. But that's why we have to keep speaking light to people and truth to people. Not our own opinions, but the Word of God to people. Because that's the light. The entrance of the Word brings light. So we have to keep bringing light to the dark world until people have enough light to get born again. Okay, that's our job. We're light bringers. And um, <clears throat> well, Mark Wood used to say, Thomas, and it's such an image, it, that light, you can also see it as somebody's ladder, ladder mm-hmm. from darkness into uh, yeah. being born again. And the things we do on a daily basis, we just help somebody on a tiny rung right. of their ladder. That's right. And we have to do That's that. it. We do. We have to keep being light in a dark world. We have to. I was just going to read the first two verses of Ephesians uh, 2 because you don't have to go there. We've read it a thousand times. But um, you could probably quote it. But I'm reading it from the Amplified because this is where we all are. When you're just born as a flesh human being, this is who you are. And I'm reading this from the Amplified. We're all this. And you he made alive when you were dead by your trespasses and sins. In which at one time you walked habitually. You were following the course and the fashion of this world and were under the sway of the tendencies of this present age. Following the prince of the power of the air. You were obedient to and under the control of. That means he's the master and you're the slave. The demon spirit that still constantly works in the sons of disobedience. The careless, the rebellious, the unbelieving who go against the purposes of God. Among these, we as well of you once lived and conducted our lives in the passions of our flesh. Our behavior governed by our corrupt and sensible, sensual nature. Obeying the impulses of the flesh and the thoughts of the mind, our cravings were dictated by our senses and our dark imaginings. We were then by nature children of God's wrath and heirs of his indignation like the rest of mankind. When you're born, that's how you're born. That's it. And Jesus said, you you can't get into the kingdom of God like that. You have to be born again. So Adam fell. Completely fell. He was instantly perverted. He lost everything. He lost everything. Our entire birthright, the dominion and authority that we had, everything was gone. And he sold us into slavery. We are slaves to sin. He sold the whole family into slavery. And um, everything in us was perverted. We had that inward knowing that God exists. But, according to Romans 1, that was perverted. And even though we knew God existed, we tried to imagine him. God says, don't imagine me. Do not create an image that represents me. Don't imagine me. All you're going to do is imagine something smaller than you are. You know, you can't imagine me, but they did. And what did they do? They worshiped images. Okay, perverted. Then that God's substance of faith, which is necessary to please God, was completely perverted, and it became fear. Instantly, it became fear. And <clears throat> When Adam looked at himself, 
he realized the glory was gone and he was naked. Shame and guilt came along with the fear. Shame and guilt and fear took the place of faith. Completely perverted. And Adam says, Jesus said, why are you hiding from me? God says, why are you hiding from me? And he says, well, we recognized we didn't have clothes on. Shame and guilt. And we were afraid. And they hid. So the faith that they had had in the living God, and they'd never known him to be anything but compassionate. But their understanding was so perverted that fast that now all they could see was a wrathful God, which God had never shown them that. They'd never seen that. They imagined it from a perverted imagination. We do the same thing. Yeah. Then we also had the ability to think and reason and imagine and make decisions. It was completely darkened. We were without light. We had no ears to hear God, no eyes to see into the spirit realm. We were completely dark. Um, So every imagining that we have was dark. Darkened imaginings. That's what we read in Ephesians chapter 2. Yeah. That's it. It is. And it is. And it's a part of our nature. That's the first thing. Or if the phone rings at 2 a.m., you don't have faith when you pick up that phone. You are struck with fear immediately. You know, um, that's just where we are. Can't see your kids, can't find your kids. Suddenly they're dead somewhere on the side of the road. You know, that's just the way we image because we. We still struggle with that darkened imagination, even as born-again believers, because our flesh understanding interferes. It's called the bait of Satan. If you've ever read that book, you'll, you'll get a great understanding about how he works in us. But he can get fear to us very quickly. But all of that and our ability to make decisions, it was all darkened. And then our ability to speak and create. In, uh, in Hebrews chapter um, 11 it says that we by faith know that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Everything that God made was made out of word. That's what it was made from. Faith filled word. Well, if you don't have faith, you have fear. Then all the words that come out of your mouth are fear filled words which create a terrible environment around yourself. If you ever listen to people and their confessions and look at their lives, see how close they are to what they have. People who talk sickness all the time are sick all the time. You know, people who talk poverty all the time are usually poor. People who talk um, uh, bad luck usually have it all the time. If something can go wrong, it's going to go wrong, right? But then you see people, good or bad, who speak success and power, they got it. And it keeps coming because they have a different mindset. They have a creative ability just like we do. You know, doesn't mean they're good, but it just means that you have the ability to to believe something and speak it and see it accomplished. The trouble is it's always perverted. It's always perverted. You know. But watch that. Listen to what people confess out of their mouths and then see what's going on in their lives. That's right. It is self-fulfilling prophecy every time. Speaking forth. That's exactly right. And I think with a lot of, with us, you don't even have to say it out loud if you're speaking it to yourself. Oh, yeah. Exactly right. 
So you you don't want to you want to watch what you put in your mouth. There's a really fascinating uh, woman, and I know I've mentioned her before, Caroline Leaf. You should read her stuff, Jules. Amazing woman. Um, she is a neurophysicist. Brilliant woman, and she speaks to this the God mechanisms in our brain and how your thought patterns. Um, control the functions of your body, the functions of everything around you, and that you can, and of course we know about brain elasticity, we know there's the ability for the brain to change itself. We're learning more and more about that just in the physical realm. But, but in the spiritual realm, everything that God has said matches perfectly with the science on the physical brain. But it's just, it's very powerful. You need to read her stuff. You would love it. It would blow your mind. But um, you should read some of her stuff too, Caroline Leaf. Um, really, really excellent. Um, but um, so anyway, that's where we left off last time. Here's Adam, this little darkened, perverted being, and he starts having darkened, perverted children. Until the world is so perverted, by the time we get to Adam, I mean to Noah, that God has to wipe the whole world out because it's so continually evil. So he starts over with Noah, puts the rainbow in the sky after they get off the boat, and he says, even though men's imaginations are continually evil, and they are, I will not again destroy the entire earth. I'm just going to let it rip. You know. And so he did business with men who had any spark of faith in him. Um, Hebrews 11, we went there last week too. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And what is the faith? You have to first believe that God is, here we go again, God is, and that He is the, the rewarder of those who diligently seek after Him. You can't just be um, a five-minute Christian here and there. You have to diligently go after Him, seek after Him, hunger for Him. And when you do that, you're going to find Him. You're going to find him. He will be found. Seek me while I, while I may be found. Right. Um, call on me and I will answer you. But it's because you are diligently seeking after him. Because you believe that he is. And that's where he started with men like Abraham. You know, Abraham had that perfect faith. Noah had that perfect faith. God says, build a boat in the middle of the land, Noah, and make it really big. Because it's going to be a huge storm. 120 years later, Noah's getting on the boat. He was obedient to, to the most absurd thing. And then God says to Abram, get up, pack your family, leave everybody behind, and come with me. I'll tell you where you're going when you get there. And then I'm going to give you all that land. But just pack up everything and leave. You know, who can do that? I, I think about that now. I've got a daughter say, Mom, you need to just come down here real quick now while you're strong enough to really do this before you get too old. You need to come to Alabama, and Bill and I are just sitting there going, yeah, no. You know? No. No, not yet. But So, um, I might move this year. This will be fun. This will be a good year to be down there. Uh-huh. And then come back. And then maybe come back. Yeah. Depending on next season. But, um, yeah, so any man that had strong faith, God could do business with. He counted that as right standing with him. Because God is a God of faith. Faith is a substance. 
It's not an idea. It's not a thought. It is a literal substance. Kenneth Hagin calls it, I mean, Kenneth Copeland calls it the currency of heaven. But um, it's literally a substance. It's a spirit substance. And it's measurable. Because we all are given the measure of faith. It is a substance that is measurable. Um, if you go to Hebrews 12, go to Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 11, I'm sorry. Hebrews 11. We'll read this whole thing. <coughs> Hebrews 11. I love those old Bibles. Those are the best. This is like mine. The pages are falling out and they're just ratty, but it's just really, you know, you can't find anything in any other Bible. And you know right where it is there. I know it. Um, okay. Hebrews 11. First, five words. Now faith is the substance. Present tense faith is the substance. And it is literally a substance. It's, it's a spirit substance and it can be measured. Romans 12, 12, 1 and 2 says, Every person is given the measure of faith. Every living being has faith as a mechanism in us. We're all given the measure of faith. But faith operates by your imagination. What your imagination believes to be real, your faith is going to latch onto, whether it is or not. And that's where the trouble is. Dark imaginings brings fear. I mean, look at the TV commercials. There's not a TV commercial on right now that doesn't instill fear. If you don't drive the right car, you're not cool. If you don't take this pill, you're probably going to die. But P.S., if you take the pill, you're probably going to die anyway. You know? Um, if you don't have the right underwear, girls, your life is over. You know? I mean, over. And um, even TV shows, everything has a, an element of fear in it. Everybody is trying to survive in some way or another, even the comedian, the comedy shows. It's all about survival of the fittest in some way or another. And um, it, it's all based on fear because our faith has been perverted. And that's what comes. Fear is not the opposite of faith. It's just a different substance. And a different force, okay? It's a different force. What did you say about how how's faith changed or done in our imagination? Okay, it was good. Faith changed because our imagination was darkened. Okay. Our imagination is the center of what we believe to be true, what we image to be true. So, if your imagination is darkened, faith is perverted into fear. So, thus, if somebody is very liberal. They have faith in that because they believe it because it's that's right being well they they use spiritual principles. The spiritual principle is this: don't let the word depart from your eyes. Keep it in your mouth. Think about it. Ponder it. Meditate on it. Chew on it. Speak it. Um, hear it. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Fear comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of the world, okay? So, so um, they believe what they believe to be true, even though it isn't. But if you listen to them, it's all fear. Everything in them is fear-driven. 
You can't eat anything for fear of getting too fat or dying. You can't live a day without exercising your brains out because that'll kill you. And you can't, um, you know, you can't let your baby ride a bicycle unless they're wrapped in bubble wrap. You can't, you know, the fear in new moms these days is a nightmare. It's a nightmare, you know. I mean, I was raising kids half a century ago, and they still live to tell about it. You know, oh my gosh. It's amazing. But I don't think anything I did would have fit the bill for now. You know, it wouldn't have. But every one of us was raised in that. And yet now, parents are so full of fear. And as the world gets darker, people are going to be more and more fear-driven. Now we're afraid the world is going to end because of global warming. Well, you just read scripture and you'll find out we got at least another thousand years before God heats the planet up and remakes it. But, um, I mean, people are so fearful, they'd rather go to work on roller skates than get in a car. And um, I'm just thinking, how sad is that? But that's perversion and darkness. And it's ruling people's lives and controlling them. They have no peace. None. Everything in the world is based on fear, you know? Based on fear. It, it's a sad place to be, but that's what it is. And um, so the only way God could deal with people is if they had that spark of faith that He could use. And He used anybody that had that spark of faith. He built covenants with them. And as long as they walked in the covenants, the blessings could flow. It wasn't the full birthright. But the blessings could flow. And um, so even all the way up until Jesus came, he was working through men of faith. That's how he worked. But he could not inhabit their spirit. They were still darkened. Their mechanisms didn't work as well as, as, as Adam's. And yet whatever spark of faith men had, God could use it. And he did. Right up through the prophets, all the way up till the day Jesus was born. Okay. Um, and God used everything to try to give men an image of what Jesus looked like. Everything that went on in the temple was a story of Jesus. You know, the Messiah, the Lamb that was slain, everything about it was about that. And um, um, it was their teacher until Jesus came. So now, Jesus comes on the scene. Let's go to John 1. And He gives one power. John chapter 1. Okay. Now, you remember, we've said this before. Jesus was already crucified in the spirit realm before the foundations of the world because God lives outside the time-space continuum. Everything is now. But within the time-space continuum, the material realm, there had to be a material presence of God. He had to materialize sooner or later. Um, let me just read First Peter to you. Stay in, first John, uh, stay in John, but let me just read First Peter to you. Um, if you want to write this one down, this is First Peter one, starting with verse eighteen. 
For as much as you know you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversations received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot, who was verily foreordained before the foundations of the world. He already was the lamb that was slain. In Revelations um, 12, I think it says, He is the lamb that was slain from the foundations of the world. It was already done in the spirit realm. However, he had to deal with flesh because flesh is fallen. Flesh is under the curse. So Jesus came in the flesh to crucify sin and the curse to the cross. He took the curse. Why? So the blessings of Abraham could come on the Gentiles by faith. That's how it happens. So this is it. He was verily foreordained before the foundations of the world, but was manifested in these last times for you. So here's the picture of Jesus manifested. So let's just read a little bit. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. Now that word is not uh, bios, but rather zoe, divine essence. In Jesus was that neshema hey, that divine essence of God. That was in Him. And the life was the light of men. That neshema hey is the light of men. Okay? Remember, Adam was this beautiful light being. Well, in Jesus was that beautiful light because the Holy Spirit is the one who implanted the seed in Mary. He's the Son of God, literally. Okay? So he was a light being from the day he was born in this world. He was the second Adam. Okay. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Well, darkness can't comprehend it, you know? So he was rejected, right? Because people couldn't understand what he was saying. They didn't have their mind's eyes open nor their ears open to be able to hear. Some did. Those who were diligently seeking did. And they received enough light and enough truth to become born again. And that was the disciples and the few that followed him. But not everybody. Okay, now go down to um, 10, verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came to his own, and his own received him not. Now look at verse 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Jesus came, and because of what he did at the cross, he gave men the power to become born again. Now, let's just see the picture of it, okay? Um, Go to John chapter 20. Jesus died on the cross, and the disciples were scared to death because they did not know what to think. Their faith was low. Okay, even though they had the entrance of the word, Jesus had been teaching in the word for three years, their faith was low. So what do you have to have to be born again? First of all, you have to believe that Jesus was, that he lived, 
that he died on the cross for our sins and that he was resurrected. If you don't believe he's resurrected, go home. You have to believe that he's resurrected and that he exists. Okay. Then with your mouth, when that is full in your imagination, when you know it beyond a shadow of a doubt, with your mouth you must declare, Jesus is the Lord of my life. And then boom, the Holy Spirit comes in you and fills you up. Just like that. Okay? So here these disciples are, scared to death, hiding behind locked doors. Um, And look at verse 19. And they all are darkened, you know. They're not, they're not born again here. They're all darkened, following after the dictates of their flesh. What are they full of? Fear. They're not full of faith at this point. They are full of fear. Perverted faith. Right. Okay, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews came Jesus and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be to you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Why? Because they knew it was him. He had died on that cross. They saw it. They saw the scars in his hands, the sword mark. And they believed that he had raised from the dead. They believed it and they were glad. Okay? So what's the next thing that happened? Watch. Peace be unto you. As my Father has sent me, even so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. The same thing is in Acts chapter 2, verse 7. He created his man. They had, they had Nefesh, biological life, but their spirit was dark. And God breathed Nefesh hay into his nostrils, and Adam became this brilliant light being, Right? So here Jesus is, he comes back, they believe everything, their faith is strong, and he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Ghost, receive the Holy Spirit. So there's the first new birth, the first born again experience right there. Did he breathe on them first or did they believe first? They believe first. If you look at the verse, it says, verse 20. Right, right, okay. Yeah, he showed them his hands and his side and they were glad when they saw the Lord. He was their Lord and they were glad to see him. They saw his hands, knew he died. They had buried him, but now he's back. They believed. And then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So there's no faith. What I well, the faith was later. well. The, no, the faith the was faith there. Was believing they the fully God. saw and believed that he had died because there were the nail hands. But that was what you know. It was. It was. They saw and then the they saw him come back through that door, and they could handle him. Yeah. So they believed that he had raised from the dead. Now their faith was high, you know, because they had seen him and handled him. He went to them through their senses, but it got to their imagination, and they saw him alive. Okay, they saw him alive. They needed proof. And they believed, right. Jesus says to um, Thomas, blessed are those who don't see and yet believe. But Thomas was born again, too. You know, Um, He became born again, too. As soon as they believed... God could use that faith now to fill them with Himself. Why could He fill Himself 
Why could he put himself back into mankind now when he couldn't before? Because the flesh had been dealt with at the cross. That barrier was a thing that kept um, all of men up to the birth of Jesus, to the death of Jesus, from being able to have the Holy Spirit inhabit them. The Holy Spirit would come on them and then leave. Come on them and leave. That's why David would pray, please don't depart from me, don't leave me. Because the Spirit would leave him. But it doesn't leave us because our flesh has been dealt with. Jesus took it all to the cross. All the wrath that God had for sin, all the hatred that he had for the curse in flesh was utterly destroyed at the cross. And so now there was no barrier to God coming now and filling us with himself. Because now he could work from the inside That's out. Right. Not the That's outside. right. That's right. That's right. Which is truly amazing. It is amazing. It absolutely is amazing. But there it was, that second birth. So when Jesus looked at Nicodemus and said, you have to be born again, it wasn't possible at that moment. But now it was. Now it was possible. Um, now go to Colossians 1 real quick. just... Colossians 1. Start with verse 15. Speaking of Jesus here. And I just want to show you a little phrase here. We're going to read 15 through 19. But I want you to see one little phrase here. Who is, speaking of Jesus... The image, the perceptible or visual image of the invisible God is literally what that means. Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. In other words, Jesus is in his likeness and in his image. Okay? He is the firstborn of every creature. If Jesus is the firstborn, what does that tell you? There are more of us to come. Why does he refer to us? Why does he say the firstborn of every creature instead of the firstborn of every man? Or why the term creature? I'm not really sure. Because that almost implies mm-hmm. that animals maybe yeah. could be born again. Yeah. Or, do you know? Yeah. What I mean? And no, I, I'm not sure about that. Other than was it translated it, poorly? Uh, well, in the Rome in in Romans, um, Paul talks about all of creation groaned under the curse, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of men. We are the manifestation of the sons of men. Okay? So all creation has been waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God, you know, the men who become children of God. And so um, if you say the firstborn of every creature, um, perhaps it refers to that. You know, Paul thinking... Um, that the whole earth is is groaning and waiting for the manifestation of the sons of men, but um, I really don't know about that. So in the Amplified, it says he is the firstborn of all creation. Of all creation. Well, there you That's go. King James too. There you go. Okay. So oh, creature. No, ours is creature. Creation. Yes. Yeah. Creation. So for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions, principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And actually, that's a good picture of it because the firstborn is the one in authority. 
He sits at the right hand of his father and he is the one that's given all inheritance. Everything in creation belongs to him and now it's given back to him um, because he um, went to the cross and gained it back. We'll get into redemption later. uh, But that has to do with redemption. Um, But what I want you to see, let me just keep reading. And he is before all things and by him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. So you and I can be born from the dead. Okay? If you're in Christ Jesus, you are born from the dead. Okay? Um, 1 Corinthians 15. Start verse 42. <clears throat> Talking about the second Adam here and us. So also is the resurrection from the dead. It is sown in corruption, raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, raised in glory. It is sown in weakness and raised in power. It was sown a natural body, but raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last man was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural. And afterwards that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. As is the heavenly, such are they that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. You and I, born again believers, can now bear the image of the heavenly. We can be in his image and in his likeness. Um. Now let me just show you the picture because it's really beautiful. Look at, um, if you remember Genesis 1, when the Holy Spirit was hovering over the deep. We used to think that was just water. But if you recall, it's all of the muck that's going to become the earth. Because God didn't form the earth or create the earth. He separated the earth from the water. It was already there. So the Holy Spirit was hovering over all of the material that would soon become the earth. Then God took all of that material and formed it. Okay. He separated the waters above and below. He separated the land from the waters. Then he began to talk about the land is going to bring forth life. All life will come from the land. Um, And then the waters and the sky will teem with life so that the life that comes will be land life, water life, and um, heavenly life, right? Sky life. And um, so, but it was all there in that ball in the deep. And the Holy Spirit hovered over that and, and the picture of hovering is like a brood hen giving life to her, her eggs, her chicks, okay? So the, the Hebrew people say the Holy Spirit was imparting divine essence, life, uh, 
literal life into that creative mix in that that mix the Holy Spirit was hovering and imparting life into it okay now go to um, Matthew let's see no, let's go to Luke, Luke chapter 1. Let's do it in Luke. I think it's a little better in Luke. Okay, look at Luke chapter 1. Start with verse um, 34. Mary's talking to the angel and the angel says, you know, you're going to have a son and he's going to... Um, rule over the kingdoms and there will be no end to his throne. Then Mary says this, verse 34. Then Mary said to the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest shall overshadow you. And therefore also the holy thing which shall be born of you shall be called the Son of God. So here's the picture. Genesis now over Mary, who is of the earth, all she can do is make an earthly body for him. That's all she's got. She hasn't got life in her. She doesn't have the seed of man in her. All she has is the ability to, to knit a, heavenly, a human body. That's all she's got. But the Holy Spirit says, don't worry, the DNA, the seed of God is going to be there. The Holy Spirit is going to hover over you like a brood hen hovering over you imparting life into that little human form that you're going to be making in there so that that this child will be born of God a spirit of God well guess what look at Acts chapter 1 Yeah. Okay, Acts chapter 1. So here you have the Holy Spirit brooding over Mary, you know, and implanting that life in her, that divine Spirit of God in her, the essence of God, the Neshamah of God in her, in, inside this little human form that her body is knitting together. That's all she's got is the ability to knit that little body together. Pretty cool thing. But she had no seed of a man. So the Holy Spirit filled her up. Well, guess what? He's the second Adam. The first Adam, God hovered over him, breathed into his nostrils, right? And he became the first Adam, a glorious being full of himself. You know, it was a shell of a man that was alive, but now he was filled with God, with the seed of God in his spirit man. Here comes Mary. She's got the shell of a human life in her. And the Holy Spirit hovers over her and breathes into that little body the very Neshamah of God, the very Spirit of God, His image and His likeness, the second Adam, right? Then you come to us, and Jesus describes it. It's really kind of cool. Um, he's talking about the baptism here, except you get the picture. It's so beautiful. Um, look at verse 7. In Acts 1. 
And he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own power, but you will receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Okay, the Holy Spirit comes over you and hovers over you and breathes that neshamahe into you. You become a new being. Um, And then it says, And you shall be a witness unto me. Not a witness for me. Doesn't mean you're going to go into the world and witness for him. The word there is unto. And that means something entirely different. It literally means you will take on the characteristics of the one you follow. Meaning you will be um, a part of the body of Christ. You're going to take on the very form of God in you. Okay? You're going to take on my characteristics Okay, unto literally is the word and, which means to take on the characteristics of the one you follow. That's what it means. doesn't mean you're going to go testify. It means you're going to take on the characteristics of the one you follow. You follow Jesus Christ, you get born again, and you are taking on the characteristics of the one you follow. You are going to become... A new man in Christ Jesus. All right, I'm going to pass this out. Then, then I don't have to worry about it next week. Just take it, take one, and um, we'll talk about this next week. So no wonder Jesus says you must be born again. You must be. Otherwise, nothing else works. Nothing else works. And we'll do this next week, but this will give you time to chew on it. Did you want one, Jeremiah, to take with you? Give you something to chew on. I'll get one of the back Yeah. Yeah. You can figure it out. But you see, you step out of your old life. Your old life dies, and you step into Jesus. You're hidden in Christ. You don't have a life of your own anymore. You literally take on the characteristics of the one you follow. As he is, so are you in this world. That's pretty cool. Yep. That's the picture of being born again right there. You are no longer yourself. You are a new creature in Christ. That's why we say in Christ Jesus. Because your lifeline's dead. Now your lifeline is Jesus's. As he is, so are you in this world. So we're gonna we'll go over that next week, but I thought you might want to chew on that yeah. this week. Little homework. <laughs> See what you can get out of it. Let me just pray real quick. Father, I just ask this week that you go with everybody here. Bless them in their going, bless them in their coming, um, bless them in the things they set their hands to. Father, we receive blessings for our children, blessings for our children's children, Father. All our needs met according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And I ask, Lord, in the blessing that, that you um, allow us to be a blessing. Help us to be about um, our family business, Father, of bringing light into the world. Um, use us wherever you can to touch somebody else, Lord. And we We thank you for the opportunities. We give you all the praise and the glory. Amen. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. 
Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.